Welcome to the Soul Church Sunday Service Podcast. Let's pray. Father, please have mercy on us now um, because of Jesus and speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amazing. So, um... So places and buildings, uh, they're generally named after people uh, because of the good things they've achieved, right? Or they're, they're important. Uh, Nelson Mandela Stadium in South Africa, I've been there. It's quite cool, Nelson Mandela. Obvious, uh, probably a bit, bit more controversial. I know Ellen's a royalist and we've got some, maybe some Republicans in here. The Prince of Wales Bridge. It's obvious. Yeah, there we go, Royal, uh, Republican. Um, controversial. Um, it's the same with people's names, isn't it? Um, Former Prince Harry um, uh, and Meghan called their son Archie, and there was a noticeable increase in the amount of people that named uh, their son Archie in those years. Um, so names, isn't it? Um, so even if you don't know much about Christianity or the Bible, you probably know that Peter is a pretty big deal uh, for some reason or another, isn't it? Uh, thousands of churches named after him. I think there's about ten, according to Google Maps, in the Swansea Neath area. Uh, St. Peter's Basilica in the, in the Vatican, Google it again, it's pretty stunning. Kings, popes, politicians, me, two other people in this room. Um, I'd be surprised if there's anyone here that doesn't know someone called Peter. Um, so I wonder then whether you're a bit surprised uh, when you heard those Bible passages earlier, isn't it? Because there's no escaping it. Peter does not come across very well, does he? <laughs> um, this doesn't sound like a man who should be like a saint or an apostle, or have popes and buildings named after him. Um, and it's pretty surprising as well when you hear that this kind of a man is, is one who Jesus says in Matthew chapter 16, on this rock I will build my church. What is going on? He's like, he's closer to Judas, <laughs> really, isn't he, than, than a saint? Um, but yet, all this is true. Because the thing is with Peter, right, it's not a one-off mistake, is it? Um, in, some way, in some ways, he's quite endearing. He's, you know, he's pretty enthusiastic. He wears his heart on his sleeve. But he repeatedly shows himself to be stubborn, rash, untrustworthy, and a coward, really. Um, so here are some passages. Again, the ones I read, but some others. Could have included more, but we'd have gone on for too long. Um, so Mark eight thirty-one to 33, listen out for... How Peter (laughs) comes across. So he, Jesus, um, then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Can you, Jesus actually addresses him in front of all the disciples and calls him Satan. It doesn't get much worse than that, does it really? Um, and you think, oh, okay, he'd be pretty careful. He'd take that on board and he'd think about what he said next time. But six days later... We get this in Mark chapter 9. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, 
whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. So in the space of a week, Jesus gets a public rebuke from Jesus and the Father. God the Father, he doesn't speak directly from heaven very often, but when he does, what does he say to Peter? Shut up (laughs) and listen to Jesus. In the space of a week, that's what Peter gets. And then the final passage, again, I said I could have done more, but these are the few that stood out for me. Um, Mark 14, from a few verses, Jesus says, You will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter, listen up, Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you, Jesus. So then he emphatically gives it the big one, doesn't he? Again, he rebukes Jesus again in public, insisting that, no, Jesus, I've seen you do all these miracles. I know you're God, but I, I got this one. Are you, I know what I'm really like. No, I, I won't abandon you. I, I can do it. But then it gets even worse, doesn't it? As we know. So this is it's after Jesus has been arrested. Um, they're taking him to, to trial him and crucify him. It says this in Mark 14. The men seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of those standing near, and we know this was Peter from the other Gospels, drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Then a few verses later, then everyone deserted him and fled. And then a few verses later, while Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. When she saw Peter warming himself by the fire, she looked closely at him. You also were with that Nazarene Jesus, she said, but he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, this fellow is one of them. Again, he denied it. After a little while, Uh, those standing near said to Peter surely you are one of them for you are a Galilean he began to call down curses and he swore to them I don't know this man you're talking about immediately the rooster crowed the second time then Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken to him before the rooster crows twice you will disown me three times and he broke down and wept. Wow. <laughs> Peter's worst moment. Uh, a stunningly pathetic <laughs> denial that he even knew Jesus was. I mean, how do you come back 
from that, from, from repeated and embarrassing public failures uh, to utter just capitulation in it and humiliation in that last passage from, from everyone, friends, enemies, knowing what you've done and the specific details <laughs> of how you failed repeatedly. Uh, maybe you're in a situation like Peter where it kind of feels like everyone knows about what you've done wrong, about your failings, about your mistakes, and you just can't get away from it. Um, maybe coming to church has been just one thing on a long list of things to try and reinvent yourself, to try and escape a past or a present <laughs> that you're ashamed of. But maybe now, um, as always, the novelty has worn off <laughs> and you're still stuck with the same old feelings, the same old you inside. Maybe you've done the equivalent of Peter and constantly try and find your own solutions. Hopefully you haven't cut anyone's ear off. Not ruling that out, but hope, you know, um, you know, maybe you think you know best, you know the answers, but it just makes things worse. Um, it just leaves you down one dead end after another. Or maybe you're at the point of realisation like Peter seemed to be in that last passage. Maybe you do weep about your life um, when no one's looking. Put on a brave face, but when you're by yourself, um, you weep. So what was the way back, the hope for Peter? What transformed him? And what is the hope for you? Can you be transformed? So um, an ever-present theme in the mainstream news and social media, isn't it, is is people being publicly shamed and exposed, isn't it? We love it. Don't lie, we love it as, as people, don't we? Um, sport has had its fair share of cases this last year, you know, with like the racism allegations at Yorkshire Cricket Club, isn't it? And the Novak Djokovic COVID passport scandal thing. Back to a bit of royalty. Um, Epstein, the Epstein Prince Andrew case. Um, the ongoing Boris Johnson parties, work parties thing. It's just, there's loads of them, isn't there? Um, and it takes seconds, it takes seconds, doesn't it, for someone's character to be assassinated, for someone's life to be ruined, for someone's private mistakes to be public knowledge. Um, maybe that's you also. Maybe people have said things about you on, uh, on Facebook, on social media, and that's stuck with you and it haunts you because it's not true or maybe more so because it is true. <laughs> But 2,000 years ago, there wasn't internet or social media, so woo, thank goodness for Peter, eh? At least his mistakes weren't splashed over social media for millions of people to see. People would probably just forget about it um, in a couple of years and he'd be able to move on. No. <laughs> oh, man, poor old Peter's failings. They were recorded, weren't they? They were in writing. <laughs> For us <laughs> and billions of, of others to read about in the best-selling book there's ever been, <laughs> the Bible. Gutted. <laughs> Absolutely gutted for Peter. But here is something pretty remarkable. The passages that we read earlier, isn't it, were from the Gospel of Mark, Book of Mark in the Bible, right? Guess who Mark, the writer of the book, was a companion of, was a friend of? You know this from 1 Peter uh, chapter 5, verse 13. 
Guess who it is widely thought was kind of the primary source of information when Mark was writing his gospel, the gospel of Mark? Peter. The same Peter that we've seen. This isn't a case of someone being exposed for the dark secrets they've been trying to cover up for years. This is a case of someone actually laying all those dark acts and secrets of theirs for everyone to see. Actually putting it in writing with the express purpose of as many people seeing it as possible. (laughs) Can you imagine what it would be like if you recorded all of your worst things you've ever done and put them online (laughs) for everyone to see? Uh, It's terrifying, isn't it? So what is going on? What, what is Peter doing? Um, so something that Peter, um, as we've seen, he seemed to consistently not get, um, despite being told again and again by Jesus, something he did not like at all, he couldn't deal with, did his head in, was Jesus saying he had to die, wasn't it? Um, remember for Mark chapter 8, Peter actually rebuked Jesus in public for saying he had to die. Why why is that? Uh, Why could Jesus dying uh, be such an uncomfortable thing for someone to to be faced with? Because like Peter could handle the miracles, couldn't he? He could handle being part of Jesus' posse. He could handle him being the kind of Messiah that would bring like the kingdom of Israel there and then back to glory. Jesus be associated, Peter be associated with Jesus all the trappings of that, of being part of a crowd, um, following him as an all-wise and powerful teacher. Um, it seems like the embarrassing tent-building situation on the mountain was kind of Peter going, oh, Jesus, forget about the whole dying thing. This is awesome. Let's, like, stay here forever. The power, the glory now. I'm, I'm loving this. I'm finally someone. I'm part of a crowd now in this life. Um, but the dying thing, just, oh, just forget the dying thing, please, all right? This is great. <laughs> but look what Jesus says right after he rebukes Peter when he calls him Satan. Listen to this. But then when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter saying, Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but the things of men. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? So why did Peter find Jesus' death so uncomfortable? It's the same reason we all find Jesus' death uncomfortable. It's because of what it confronts us with. It confronts us with the depth of our problem. As humanity and as individuals. The depth of our brokenness. Just how messed up and helpless we really are. We like to think that what we need most 
is basically to get what we want, isn't it? To have choice, to have power, to be in control. That if, if we had what we wanted, then we'd be all right. That, that we have to define our own worth by what, we, by what we choose and what we do. That we have the power to solve all our problems and sort our lives out. But we infinitely underplay our value <laughs> and overplay our capability, isn't it? Jesus says that each one of us, listen to this, kids as well, each one of you is worth more than the world. But he also says <laughs> that each one of us, humanity as a whole, is broken beyond our ability to repress. Something that is more, worth more than the whole world is broken beyond repair. We don't need help to sort our lives out. <laughs> we need to start again. <laughs> we need to die We need a new humanity. But that's impossible. No amount of man-made religion, genetic engineering, philosophy, vaccines, (laughs) psychology can achieve that. That's why Jesus had to become a human and die in our place for our sin and failure and rise to life to give us each new life and make a new humanity. It absolutely devastates our belief in human self-sufficiency, doesn't it? That's what Jesus means by the things of men that Jesus describes. And and Peter doesn't like it one bit, does he? (laughs) And we don't like it one bit. It offends us. It really offends us, doesn't it? Um, And maybe you're in that position. You... You know, you, you like coming to, to, to church, to soul church. You like the idea of like hanging out and, and being with, with, with God's people and the Bible. And it seems nice, but, um, but Jesus' death for you, nah, <laughs> that's, oh, that's a bit uncomfortable. Um, as long as Peter tried to save his life, as long as he clung on to his power, his ideas, his way of doing things, kind of like Jesus plus Peter, <laughs> um, his life was just a spiralling cycle of mistakes and shame and, and disappointment. But that's not where his story ends, is it? And that's not where your story has to end either. Listen to Mark 16, verses 1 to 7. When the Sabbath was over, this is after Jesus has been crucified, he's dead, buried in the tomb. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on, the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for the Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Just as he told you. Uh, I, I find this passage quite moving, not just because he's called Peter and I'm called Peter, but um, probably because I, I just identify so much with Peter. <laughs> um, I mean, put yourself in Jesus' shoes for a second, you know, like, how would you feel about Peter if you were Jesus? 
Like, it was probably pretty annoying to have around, you know, always making mistakes, always not listening and getting into trouble. But after swearing, he would never abandon Jesus, right? I'll never, no, I'll die with you, Jesus, I'll die, I'll never, I swear it. At the first sign of pressure, not by some hench Roman soldier, by a little servant girl, he swears he never knew him. And he abandons him to death. How would you feel (laughs) towards Peter if you were Jesus? What would you have told the angel to tell those women at the tomb? I'd have probably said, like, go tell the disciples, except Peter. (laughs) Go tell the disciples and Peter, but tell him he's got a lot to do to earn back my love. (laughs) Because he really messed up. No, he doesn't say that, does he? He says, tell Peter, I'm risen. And I will see him soon. I died, I rose, I live for him. I forgive you, Peter. It's okay. Who is he thinking of when he rises triumphantly from the grave, having gone through hell itself? Peter. He's thinking of Peter. Make sure Peter knows that I died for him. I rose for him. I live forever for him. And then afterwards, as Jesus said, he gathers his followers before going back to heaven. And he basically tells them, Go and tell everyone about me. Go and tell everyone what I've done for them. Go tell them that anyone who will die to themselves to live in me can be part of my family forever. And from then on, Peter and the other disciples lived transformed lives, didn't they? And they spread this message across Asia, Europe, Africa and eventually the whole world. That's why Peter's name is known all over the world. That's why he's got churches and all that named after him. He's known in a good way. Not because of what he did, but because of what Jesus did for him and through him. That's why I'm standing here tonight, isn't it? Because of Peter's life that was transformed. That's, that's why Peter put all his failures down in, in the book of Mark, isn't it? That's why he wrote them all down. Because the good news of Jesus is for everyone, isn't it? It's for sinners, <laughs> like him, like me, like you. There's no one too broken, confused, sinful, shameful, evil for Jesus, isn't it? Uh, the depth of Peter's failures, it just makes what Jesus did even more amazing, isn't it? Him dying and, and coming to life and the transformation in Peter's life, just more incredible, isn't it? So, what transformed Peter's life? And as a consequence of billions of others, uh, and mine, and many in, in this room, what transformed him? It wasn't just being there whilst Jesus was around, being part of the crew, enjoying his company. <laughs> he stopped trusting in himself. It stopped being Jesus plus Peter, and he trusted Jesus. He took up his cross. And continued to take it up daily as he died to himself in order to live in Jesus. Um, apologies if you've heard this quote before. I just think it's great. And, and I just really, yeah, it, it came to my mind when I yeah, was preparing. It's by Jim Elliott, a, a missionary. It says, um, he is no fool to give what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Don't forfeit your soul for the sake of the things of this life. 
Stop clinging on to things you can't keep and that won't help you. Stop keeping Jesus at arm's length. Let go of your decaying life and give it to Jesus and receive eternal life in him. You too, then, like Peter, can know your life transformed now and forever. Amen. Amen. A stand and sing. Thank you for joining us for the Soul Church Sunday podcast. We hope it helped you and blessed you. We'd love to see you on a Sunday, 6pm in Neath Town Hall.